So the big question is this, are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags-to-riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash-flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. Uh, we are still in the midst of crazy chaos, and we are going to bring a great guest on to help kind of decipher what's going on and really talk about what, what the future looks like. Because in the doom and gloom days of there's blood in the streets, there's also a lots of opportunity. Millionaires get made in, in fear and uncertainty, and it's the ones that have the poise to uh, to to do the real the real deal and, and be a true investor. So I'd like to welcome to the show uh, Dan Hanford. Uh, Dan is with Passive Investing, the LLC. I didn't even see it. It's just passiveinvesting.com. Yeah, okay. See, so look, look at me. See, I'm 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 <laughs> I'm just I'm murdering this. It's because I'm I don't feel well. <laughs> I'm just gonna let it. Everybody know you're gonna hear me. I'm in quarantine right now in my house. Okay, so. I've not tested, but I've had a head cold for like I don't know seven days, and uh, no no fever, no nothing else. But uh, so you may hear me hack a little bit. I'm gonna get through it because this is important information. Uh, Dan, you've been in the business for a long time. Uh, you've got it over two thousand units, two hundred twenty million dollars uh, under contract, and you did it in like twenty four months. Like like you really just went out and and did it. And you're a passive investor. I think you're passively investing in what like. 4,500 uh, units or so, something like that? Yeah, 21 different uh, investments and uh, <coughs> different operators and a little over 4,500 units. That's awesome. So, Dan, welcome to the show, first of all. And, uh, man, glad to have you on the podcast, brother. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, Corey. It's been, a, it's been a, a quite some time that you and I shared the stage together last year and uh, looking forward to sharing with your audience here today. So, you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, you just came off a call just recently, like a couple hours ago of a big panel where they're talking about what's going on with COVID-19. Give us the highlights of that. Well, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is, is right now the impact, you know, I just, you know, across my screen saw 3.5 or 3.4 million, you know, unemployment claims just last week um, in just one week, you know? And so the, 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 the types of assets that are going to be affected by that the most is the assets that are, you know, those lower end B and C class assets, even though we kind of all kind of had to have this mentality of, you know, A's go to B's and B's go to C's. But right now, the hardest hit sector right now is that sector right there. And so there's, there's been some talks of, you know, 20, 30, 40% vacancies in some of those properties. And yes, you know, thankfully with the stimulus package coming out and with the, with, with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, as well as some other lenders following suit to be able to provide some forbearances, you know, there's definitely going to be some opportunities for people to be able to kind of catch up and, and not lose their assets. 
We talked about a lot of different things on that webinar where we talked about, you know, should you be withholding you know, renovations and, you know, what about interest rates? You know, you know the Federal Reserve is down, the 10-year Treasury is down, but really interest rates are, are driving up, are being driven up right now because of demand for Fannie and Freddie and nobody else is lending. And so those spreads have actually gone up with the, with the agency lenders right there. And it's causing a lot of underwriting with current deals to kind of go haywire. Yeah. Well, that's been, and really it's funny, man, I, I'm so lucky. I'm closing, I think in two weeks on a loan and we're going to rate rate lock. And I mean, I need to rate lock quickly uh, because it, I mean, we're still better than what we first started. Like when, you know, we, we were for a while there, we were hitting the floor of the loan, the lowest it could go. And then all of a sudden it's been creeping up. So, but We've all, I've also heard a lot of lenders uh, maybe be willing to do interest only if you're doing a principal and interest, but it sounds like there's going to be some flexibility in the market. Yeah. No, I definitely lending. think there's going to be some flexibility. And there's going to have to be. It's going to be short-term, right? I mean, there's a yeah. lot of short-term nature to this kind of a, of a black swan event, if you will. This is not going to be something that's going to last, you know, three, four, five years or anything like that. I mean, my, my projection is is that what's happening right now is going to have an effect that'll last between about three to six months. Yep. And then it'll take another probably three to six months to kind of write itself, right? And, uh, and then we'll be back to normal, and even probably better than normal than where we were before. I mean, right now, demand for multifamily apartments is still going to be, is still strong in the long term, right? In the short term right now, we're, we're seeing a little bit of a blip or really a big blip, if you will, on the radar. Yeah. But when you look down the down the road a little bit, demand is not going down. So there's three things that I really see that have an effect when there's some sort of a, of a downturn like this, especially this kind of short-term effect that's happening right now, is that during any type of pandemic that you've seen in the past, there's three things that actually go up. Number one is divorces. Number two is marriages. And number three is babies. I kind of I actually wrote an article a couple of weeks ago about them being called Corona babies, right? Because people yeah. aren't leaving their homes. They're kind of, you know, self, self quarantining like yourself. And guess what happens? People have more babies. And so all of that is going to create increased demand for multifamily, which is going to be great for us long term. Well, and here's what's funny. Uh, well, I say funny, but like when you look at it from the investor perspective, like what are their options? If they were in the stock market, they've gotten shat on like bad, like it's horrible there. And um, I don't think it's so bad for my investors. I mean, I think our investors are going, I mean, it's a short-term dip, but it may, like we're suspending payments on uh, all investors' uh, capital payments, quarterly payments for just the time being. And we're suspending them. It's not like we don't have the money to pay. We've been collecting and escrowing the money. But, you know, the thought is, let's just make sure we weather the storm and then we can go get right back to business. Yeah. No. And, and I think that that's the thing that you have to understand is, is that if somebody is, you know, as an investor, has distributions that are being withheld, doesn't mean the deal, the deal is going south. It means, hey, we need to protect this investment to make sure that we don't lose it. So we have to make the best decision for all of the investors in this entire project because we have that fiduciary responsibility as a sponsor. Yeah. And but, you know, I, I think the testament to the, what the, the sector will do, because I think it will rebound. I mean, I think there's like I said, it's temporary. You know, the lowest man on the totem pole is going to get cut first in any job. And those are a lot of the tenants that we we, we put in our properties, our C&B class, working man's apartment. And so they're going to hit it and get it hit hard. But we got to remember, our economy was thriving up until this point, And it's a little bit different than 2008. Oh, it's, you know? it's, it's, it's a definitely different than 2008. You kind of saw an, a, an opposite effect uh, for the most part as far as the, the sectors that were affected because back in 2008 was a financial crisis. So a lot of the financial sector got hit. 
And so a lot of these class A assets and things like that were hit more than there are right now, where you have more of these class, you know, C and B class assets that are getting hit the worst. And to your to your point about the values or about you know losing money, I mean, yeah, yes, I think across the board, at least in the short term, we're going to see some some expansion in cap rates and decrease in actual values of properties. But you know, you and I, we're not going to sell our properties in the middle of this downturn. So I don't really care what the value does, right? Exactly. I'm looking at this as a long term thing, and as long as I have enough in my operating reserves to be able to withstand with withstand some sort of you know, pressures like this, then on the other end of it, we'll do really well. I totally agree. The only thing I think that anybody would be really hurting if your loan was due right now and 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 there and there wasn't capital. But even even right, right now with this type of but there a, is still lending. But those lenders would still allow you to extend it for six not six to twelve. Exactly. Months. So because the banks are still pretty healthy. Yes. Right. Like and, and that's there's that's more capital in the market understand. today than there has ever been. Yeah. And so that's an important note is to say that the banks are healthy, but it's just the economy is just like. We're at a standstill, and it's really because no one knows what to do. We're all staying home, and, you know, when do we get back to work? Because there's a lot of healthy people that are just sitting there going, uh, I want to go back to work. I want right? to spend my money. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's 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 really it's different. It's weird. It's weird. I like to say, like, this is like, for me, it's a gift, right? Like, I've been, I think a lot of investors have been waiting for a correction or something to happen, and I'm not certain that this is it, but it appears and feels like there's going to be some change in pricing and values and and all that stuff. What, what's your thoughts? No, I, I definitely think that you are going to start seeing some expansion in cap rates. You're going to see some decrease in values, and you're going to even have some operators right now that didn't mitigate risk like they should have. They had some flaws in their underwriting, didn't have enough in operating reserves, and even some smaller mom and pops to just kind of throw their hands up and say, I just want out. I want my cash, right? Bingo. They just want to hold on to their cash. And so there's going to be some opportunities. I think that most of the opportunities, though, are going to be in those lower and B and C class assets. Because if you have a strong B plus, A class asset that has, has, has great historical financials on it and it continues to, and it has to continue to be, do well, you know, you're not going to try to sell that thing for a discount, right? And those, those, especially in this type of an event, that we're seeing right now, you're going to see those types of residents actually have extra savings. They're not living paycheck to paycheck. The median income in that property is going to be higher. So they're going to be able to withstand or withhold and stay in that property and pay their rents for this kind of a smaller blip on the radar right now. Yeah. You know, I, I was on a podcast last week and we were just talking about like, you know, I started in real estate in 2010. It was a great time. And I was a newbie, right? So I, I wasn't just, I didn't raise capital like I do now. And man, I only wish that I could have bought more properties back then. Here and now I am a seasoned investor and understand how to operate, a way better operator than I was when I first started. And like, this is an opportunity that, you know, I want I want to take advantage of the best I can and be, and be smart about it. Whereas in the last two years, you know this, I mean, there's so many new people that, you know, multifamily is the big buzzword. And I think you pointed to it earlier, just a minute ago, is that a lot of new people are coming into the marketplace or have come in. They they may not be underwriting correctly. They're not as conservative. They were um, projecting, you know, way better than they th- – and now all of a sudden, because of that, there's going to be some some spoils of war, I guess. Well, and I think if you look back to where you were in 2010 to where you are today, one of the things that I'm sure that you've probably worked on and kind of you know kind of sharpened is 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 your communications with your investors. And I think when you have a, a black swan event like this, where there is a, some sort of a pandemic, you cause a lot of you know issues in the market. 
you have to be communicating with your investors. You, this is not the time to just not communicate. This is the time to be over communicating with them and making sure and, and reassuring them and, and, and informing them about every asset that they're in so that they feel comfortable with what their, where their investment is. And if you do have to withhold distributions, it's just explaining why, right? Yeah. And I think where a lot of operators get caught with this kind of a situation is, is they just kind of go ghost on their investors and their investors start to freak out. And that's not what you want to do in this type of situation. You got to over communicate. We're, we're starting a protocol. We usually only communicate monthly to our investors, right? Through our dashboards and reports. And I give a financial update. We are now doing it weekly, right? Uh, just a weekly, here's where we're at, just, you know, because I think they want that um, knowledge that we're, you know, to know that we're watching the ship, you know, we're not just sitting there idle, hoping and praying, we're, we're actually monitoring, um, checking out, um, you know, even just as far as having conversations with uh, lenders. H- have you been talking to your lenders on your deals? Oh, absolutely. I mean, every single one of our lenders have heard from us and, you know, we're communicating with them. And, you know, so far right now, this is, this is a week before April rents are due, right? Yeah, so right. April is going to be really the, the, the That's telling what we're time. all waiting for, right? Yes, yes. That's that's the impending moment. But I, I feel, you know, even right now, you got to pre- be proactive about it and communicating with your lenders saying, hey, Rick, right now, March rents came in at this, this, this amount and we're doing fine. April is really going to be that true telling time. And you know, we just want to open that conversation with you and have that dialogue. And of course, informing the investors that you're actually doing that as well. Because again, it's all about making sure that those investors know that you're just not, that you're not just sitting on the sidelines doing nothing at all. And, you know, like you said, making sure that they know exactly what you're doing. I have had investors email me back and say, hey, thanks for actually communicating with me what you're doing for the, the residents and the COVID-19 and, you know, what, what kind of you know, impact this is having, because it's been really helpful. And other investments that I'm in and other operators aren't doing that. And so yeah. I really appreciate that about your group. And that's what you want your investors to think about is, is they want to make sure that when they have that next investment, that they're thinking about you. Well, and, and, and that's a good point too, because, you know, Dan, as people, you know, we get, we remember sometimes we put investors in a box, say, oh, they're just our investors, but they're people and they have fears, hopes, dreams, and lives. And, and then they also communicate with people just like them. And so when their friend says, Hey, How's that apartment investing doing? And if they don't have the answer, that makes them nervous. Especially if they have to sit there and go, "Oh, I don't really know. I haven't heard from the operator. I'm a little bit worried." And you know, that's yeah. And then it just creates a snowball effect, right? Yep. And I'll tell you one other thing we're doing. One other thing that thing that we do is is we send out this newsletter that we give out to our investors every single month. It's a monthly mailed one. It's a nice kind of full gloss newsletter talking about various things. And it's an, it's, this one is about an eight to 12 page newsletter. It's getting ready to go to 16 pages, but we're doing a special edition right now for our investors on that are um, for the, the April edition so that they can know exactly what our thoughts are on things, how things are going, what are the stats showing, what are the market, market reports showing, and you know, should they be concerned with their investment? And being able to have that level of communication with them is really important and really vital. And this is information that you know, like you said, you could they can give to their their neighbor down the street or bring it to their office and pass it around and and share it with other people. Right, and it also just make sure that you're a thought leader. Right? Correct. Anytime you're out there positioning yourself as a expert and that you know what you're doing, the more you can give uh, pieces of paper, things in the mail, um, a way to communicate with investors. That's that's pure gold, my friend. Yeah, and, and we even had the April newsletter almost done, and we completely scrapped it and said, nope, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move that some of that content to May. And we're going to we're actually going to do a special COVID-19 edition. So we're going to be focusing on that particular condition itself so that we can actually make sure that the investors are informed about it. I just want to let everybody know the reason I do these podcasts, Kay, 
it's not it's to, it's to teach people, but it's also to be get taught. So uh, if you're looking, there's my notes. It says you can't read that, but that's chicken scratch for monthly newsletter. Do it. So I've not do been this. doing it. So I've do not this. been doing a monthly newsletter, but I'm like, gosh, damn it. I am. I'm, I'm going to get after this podcast. So, I'm absolutely so going to get with my team and do it. I'll share with you a couple of things that we're doing with this newsletter just to kind of give you some extra. Who helps you put it together? Yeah. So for a couple of foods for thought. So one of the things that we started doing is, is we started including some things for the family to, to involve the family with it. And so you'll see here, I don't have the actual sheet. I think it actually fell out, but I put it up to the camera here. For those of you who are watching online. I'm going to invest in one of your deals now so I can uh, get the newsletter. <clears throat> there you go. You can see that coloring page there. Yeah. We actually include a printed coloring page. So it's a basically this, whatever cover page, whatever photo we have on the cover page like this, we actually take it we turn it into a coloring page for the their children to do it. And we basically said in here, you know, at PassiveInvesting.com, one of our objectives, objectives is to teach the next generation about apartment investing. We hope your children enjoy the included coloring page. Our goal is that this will spark a conversation within your family about passive investing in real estate. And so that's one thing that we do. But also on the back, I don't know if you saw that, we have a word search. And this word search, at first, we of course, we were thinking, ah, oh, it's a little juvenile. These, these adults probably won't want this. Surprisingly enough, these adults do like this. Our investors like it. But I've gotten text message after text message from our investors showing me their children coloring the page, but also showing, showing, showing me how their children are filling out the word search. And their children are asking them, hey, what, what does it mean about it? What is an asset? And what's a trust? And you know, what's cash flow? And I'm starting to be able to answer questions for my 10-year-old that I would never yeah. have asked before. Dude, that is awesome. And then, of course, the coloring page has PassiveInvesting.com on it. So when they finish coloring it, they'll put it up on their refrigerator. So when friends come over, it starts a conversation there, too. Dude, that's beautiful. That is, that is really cool. I love how your mind works, dude. <laughs> that's a double so i just i'm now i'm asterisking now so i'm not trying to go into a dovetail here but this is awesome because this is really good a good idea for a lot of people that are that are out there doing stuff newsletter do you use any person to help like a company that helps you put that together or do you just have your own team in house and you've made your design format like so we, when we first got started with the newsletter it took us probably three or four months to get the first one together and i was like this this, this is just not working right <laughs> Right. I had a VA overseas that was helping us with it, and it was, a, it was a little bit of a language barrier, and so it was a little bit more challenging. Not that it can't be done that way, because I still think if we could have worked out the systems and the kinks, we probably could have, but we actually decided uh, in the latter part of last year, in, in Q4 of 2019, to hire on a director of marketing and PR, and her full-time responsibility, not full-time, I'd say her, her part-time responsibility is to be focused on that newsletter and get it out. That's not all she does. It, is, it probably takes you know maybe 10 to 15 hours a month of her time to be able to put all that together. But yep. all three of our managing partners, because we have three partners, writes an article about their particular area. And yep. then she takes it and formats it and puts the graphics and in. And gets all the other little, all the pieces, yep. does all the, the, the back word, finds the art, does all the other jazz, yep. right? And it doesn't cost that much to mail out. I mean, we might, I think it might cost us maybe 2 or $3 a piece to mail and yeah, print Yeah, it's them. insignificant. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, the, other, the other piece to that, to that Corey, is we're we're now obviously cultivating you know addresses, and these are these are also going to our prospective investors, so ones that haven't invested us with. They're understanding how we think, how we operate. We're educating them, and one of the things that we're also doing is is because we now have their addresses, we are sending them whenever we go out with our next project. We actually print up a really nice brochure and explain to them. Basically, it's the investment summary that we put together. We put yep. that into a printed form and mail it to all the investors as well. Yeah, beautiful. Now that's that's. Uh, listen, 
you just sparked my mind on that. I'm like, gosh darn, I, I, you know, here I am. I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't have a, a newsletter, right? But damn it, next month I'm going to. <laughs> Good. And, and, and most people will ask me that I tell them about this. They'll say, well, oh, 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 what if I don't have the funds? I know you probably do, but what if I don't have the funds or the time to put this together? Well, start somewhere, you know? Yeah, start with a I smaller mean, newsletter. Dude, or Fiverr. Or Listen, I don't care. You can't even, there is not enough, there's, for Fiverr, I'm sure you can find a person on there to design and format six pages, and then you just got to put copy there. Yeah, I would so suggest in, no in, in pages of four because there's usually uh, usually use an eleven by seventeen, and then they just right. four, fold yep. it in One, half. Two, three, so it's always four. four. Yep. So four, eight, six, eight, four, eight, twelve, sixteen. Yep. And and what's funny was is when we first got started, we started putting together the newsletter, and the first one we did was four. The second one was eight, and then we realized we got more content to produce, so we needed 12, and the May edition will likely be a 16-page newsletter just because it's we're having so much fun with it, too, because there's just it just looks so much better than when you're out in the community. You can have that to be able to show people as well, and you know, overall, it just, it just makes you look a lot better with your investors, too. Well, it's really about presentation, right? So we, I've always believed in like my, my pitch deck, right? Mm-hmm. When I first started, my pitch deck was horrible. Like, I would vomit if I was to look at it right now. I'd just, like, want to uh, – and as I've understood the, how visually your presentation, you know, you get judged on it. People judge you all the time. And so the better your presentation looks, all your marketing, the better and, – and, and the cohesiveness of your marketing, your brand. So a branding guide. Do you have a branding guide? I'm yes, sure I do. do. We do. Yeah. Yeah, we have a brand card and has all the different colors and logos and everything on it. Yeah. I talk, I've talked about multiple podcasts, but it's and I just know you would, right? So when you have a director of marketing, there's guidelines on how you do things. That and, was one of the very first things she implemented for us, right? Because then it keeps it it keeps it fluent throughout different media, um, whatever you know. If you're going offline to online to direct mail or to mail to uh, a brochure, it all looks and feels like passiveinvesting.com. See, I just plugged you right there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> so let's talk about the future then as far as, I mean, COVID-19, I mean, listen, we're all just, it's really wait and see what happens. I mean, no one knows yet because, I mean, we're just now, people are just starting to get laid off and we're going to start feeling the full effects of it. And so, I mean, my thoughts are just button down the hatches, get as, as, as liquid as possible and be and communicate. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, from an acquisition standpoint, you know, one of the things that we're seeing right now is because the demand for, you know, debt with Fannie and Freddie has gone up, you know, the the rates have actually started to go up, too. And we mentioned that a little bit earlier, but, you know, the the effects of the interest rates going up is going to have an effect on your proceeds because it's going to be you're going to be, you know, know, constrained by the DSCR. And that decrease in proceeds is going to cause you to have to increase the equity raise that you're having. So you're going to have to look at you know the price that you're actually offering on that property. And it's also going to, at the same time, reduce returns and also expand the cap rates across the board. And when you have that expansion of cap rates, it also creates some opportunities for some other people. But if you look at the opposite of that, you know that's kind of what's happening right now. But you know, and, and if you look, you look look in the next probably six to twelve months to eighteen months, you know you're going to start to see the opposite of that happen. You're going to start seeing the inter- the demand for 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 debt to go up or to go down really across the board, meaning because you have more lenders that can actually lend. And so the actual, there's more competition. So the, so the interest rates are going to start to go down. It's going to cause proceeds to go up, which is going to cause you to have to, to raise less money. And it's going to cause your returns to go up and your cap rates to go down. So be patient. That's right. Winter's coming. 
That's right. Well, and, and you're seeing even right now, I mean, I think even right now, it's still a good time to buy, right? Because you have decreased demand. Not a lot of people are buying. So if there's somebody out there that's selling something right now, you're going to be able to get a good deal. You know, we have yeah. a deal right now that we're currently under contract on, and we're in the process of you know rene- renegotiating that price because interest rates have changed since 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 we submitted that last best and final offer. We 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 have a deal. We tried to do the same thing, and then he wasn't willing to negotiate. So yeah, uh, we, can, we, we can go both ways too. We cancel our contract, but um, <laughs> it was so funny. We were actually first. We just said, "Hey, give us a sixty day extension." We want to see what's going to go on with the thought that we're going to have to probably come back with a price reduction. That that was our ultimate goal, and I think he understood that too. And but he just came back and said, "Well, you're going to release all you know all your contingencies and all your rights." And I'm like, "And all my money." And I'm like, "No, no, we're not going to do that. So we'll just we'll cancel the contract." Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, well, and I think and I think a lot of sellers right now. I mean, obviously, he might have not really been in, in that much of a time crunch to sell. He's like, I'll just wait three months and put it back on the market or sell. Yeah, but smart there, for him. There are some sellers though that are right now that are like they they need to offload and yeah. they know that the buyer pool has gone way down. You know, yeah. this asset that we have. Well, is, you think about it, just like the mom and pops, right? Or just yep. you know, or, or the new new investors that like they have not even the wherewithal. It's not even that their property's not performing. Or sometimes, right? It's just that they don't have the the mentality to stay in the game. They're not jumping they're on like, calls like this and learning kind of what are the what are the good things to do and the things that you should be doing to mitigate risk and you know and, yeah. and not spending on on non essential items and kind of contracting right now until you get through this little hurdle. Um, I do want to share with your listeners an idea that one of our investors brought to us, and it was kind of a dovetailed idea on one idea we had of you know instead of just withholding distributions from investors. We had an investor that reached out to us and said, what about having our distributions being donated to a renter who needs help? So instead of us actually just taking the distribution that month, we'll just give it to the to the to a resident that actually needs help. I was like, no, oh, that's a really good idea. And I think that's the sentiment that your investors should have right now. And it's the sentiment that I think a lot of people in the world, or especially in our country as an Amer- as Americans, have right now is that. We want to do the. We want to, we want to stick. Everybody's pulling in out. right now. Every and, and that's that is the sentiment. You hit it on the head. That's a great idea, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and one of the other ideas that we kind of had even before that one was, what about putting together a program that and you know our investors that are invested in a particular property could help donate money to one of those residents. So it's kind of the same thing, same concept, but having them just use their distribution to put it put it into the in there is great, and those investors feel like they're actually helping out those residents. Yeah, that is. I want. That is one of the sentiments that I feel is going on right now. Even though, like, there's you know, uh, you know, Republicans, Democrats, or, or, but but mainly, I still feel like everybody's just like in this current crisis, everybody seems to be pulling together pretty well. So I've got like you know, I mean, lenders are saying they're flexible. Uh, I'm telling my tenants I'm inflexible. You know, we're saying rents too, but we're also saying individually, how can we help you? Right? What do we need to do? Let's make a workaround. Right? Like we want to keep everybody in their house and in, in their in their place, and I, I see that happening all throughout the uh, United States, and, and that's that's very promising, and I think that's probably hopefully uh, you know how our con- how we are as a country. Hopefully, we'll look, we'll look back on this in history and say we pulled together. That's right. I, I, I think, think that's we what will. we got to do. We always get through these things as Americans, and uh, we'll stick together, and you know, in these, in these troubling times, and get through it, and. You know, this is one of those you know short blips on the radar, and and we'll get back to normal. Yeah. Um. What do you feel like is um, what what are you doing right now to just to kind of prepare for the future? 
Well, I mean, right now, as far as, you know, let me ask you this. Do you want me to focus more on what we're doing for our properties right now or kind of acquisitions? Well, a little bit future? of both. So let's talk about uh, property stuff and then let's talk about maybe investor stuff. So I think that's sure. two different pieces. Sure. So a couple of things from the actual the existing properties perspective is, is number one, we've already taken, taken a look at any non-essential spending and contracted all of that non-essential spending. So uh, obviously, a lot of it's going to be going down anyway because the amenities are on all of our properties are all closed down for obvious reasons for making sure that people, residents stay in their in their apartments. And we're also making sure that when we have a maintenance request that comes up, that as long as it's not life threatening or, you know, you know going to threaten the, the, li the livelihood of them in that apartment, then we will be holding off on doing any type of renovation, not renovation, but maintenance request from a renovation standpoint. We're looking at any of the properties that have a, a, a unit. If it was already under construction, we're just going to complete it, right? Because there's no sense in just stopping in the middle, and because then you don't, right. you still have no no unit to rent. You so got to rent ready. Complete yeah. those. We're not starting any new renovations on units right now. Our goal is to. We actually, of course, if you're smart enough with your properties, you're you're ahead probably sixty to ninety days in your renewals, right? You're not going right. to wait till this month to do renewals. So we already are done with our renewals for May, and we're looking into June. And so we've actually gone back to those renewals and said, hey, we, we have some units available. If you want to go on a month to month for the, this time being so that you can have a place to live in the short term, let's do that. And we'll keep you at your same rate. And we'll just keep them in those units. So we can maintain occupancy during this time. And then the other side of things is if there is somebody that leaves, then we will do a quick turn on that particular unit to be able to get it back, get it to a point where we can, so we can go ahead and lease it up. I do feel like over the, over the short term, probably the next six to nine months, you're not going to be able to push rents very high. Um, the National no. Apartment Association has already come out and asked all of the the, the, the property owners to, to kind of hold off any rent rent increases for the next 90 days. Um, now, is everybody going to listen to that? No, obviously not. But it's definitely a good recommendation to be able to maintain occupancy across the board. And well, no one wants to make the news. Exactly. Yeah. You, and you don't want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be that landlord that you know makes the news. And, and, and it's interesting because there's, there's, there's two things that we always do from a uh, almost like a you know a, a litmus test if you will as to whether or not we should do something or not right and there one of them is the just kind of what you mentioned is is the newspaper test right if whatever you do was put on a headline of a newspaper would people look at that headline and go yeah you probably shouldn't have done that or yeah. they look at that and go yeah that makes sense right yep. and, if, yep. and if you can say that and then you do that newspaper test then i think you should go ahead and go forward with it right but at the same time, I also, even from an SEC compliance standpoint, I'm more because this is more compliance reasons. But I always, you know, because I have, you know, some medical clinics that I own myself. Uh, my wife and I own them, and we have, you know, f you know, investigators that could potentially come into our office and then look at insurance fraud and stuff like that. And so, before we implement anything in our office, we do what's called the the uh, the fraud, you know, conference table test. So if you have a fraud investigator that's coming to your office and they're sitting across the conference table from you and they're asking you, you know, how you're doing things, what's your process, why you're doing things, and if you can explain it to them and they go, hmm, that makes sense, then you're good. But if they sit there and go, I, I don't I don't think so, then you probably shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, that's a good that's some good I mean, to do the golden rule, do what's right, man. Take care of people and uh, and really just uh from that perspective do the right thing always, yeah. right? And you'll never have to like we're you know wonder or, or worry. And and really, it's called sleeping at night. Oh, the Swan Principle. I mean, I, I do that all the time. I mean, people people ask me all the time. You know, you just raised thirty five million in the last twelve months. How do you sleep at night? And I'm like, because I don't go into properties that I don't think are going to perform. 
I go into yeah. performing properties that are going to be really good quality assets that I know we're going to perform for the long term, even if we have some sort of a black swan event like this. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to lie to you and say I haven't woken up in the middle of the night in the last probably a couple of weeks, you know, with thoughts going through my mind about what's happening. Oh man, right now. we all have. I mean, I have got I've got student housing, yep. and like schools are closed. Yeah, right. And that's that's been a real tough one, right? Because they've all signed twelve month leases and schools out, and you know what are we supposed to do there? Right. Yeah. And and we've got to be able to get some kind of. And the crazy part is, it's so far it's been okay. I mean, I'm waiting to see what next month, like four more to five more days to see what the verdict is for April. But I, I got a feeling it's going to be okay because people are like, well, next year we still got to go back to school. And we still got to have housing. And so, um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And parents are just kind of, you know, parents are usually paying that bill anyways. And, you know, they want to make sure that they have housing for next school year. Yeah. And I think, you know, in your, in your leases, do you have a force majeure uh, clause in those contracts with those leases? Boy, I don't know. I'd have to know. That's a that's a good question. I, maybe right. Yeah. And I, I would I pro- assume you I probably you, do. I bet and, you do. Yeah, and so that might be one of those things that uh, could could impact those even more. But yeah. I think you know, again, going going back to the whole situation of you know the the, the, the stimulus and things that are happening. I think you know, I think at the end of the day, it'll be fine. And you know, a lot. A lot of, I've heard actually. I've read a couple of articles lately that have talked about how student housing you know facilities, since they're kind of it's pretty much empty right now. Are you know using those facilities and the government is renting them out as uh, self quarantine locations or converting them into hospitals in the short term? Not happening in our properties yet. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so far, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm just knocking on wood. We have some great uh, properties that are located in, in some smaller, like tertiary schools, and so far, so good. So, like, we've had, we've only had very minimal people say we've got issues. So. I'm just gonna I'm gonna knock on wood with that, and because I think we're doing a good job with our people. Yeah. But, well, and, um, I, and I think one thing that's going to be really good for you, <coughs> your listeners that have properties, is to make sure that you're proactive about it. Because you know, you know, you don't want to just wait for your residents to come to you to ask for payment plans. Because sometimes their ego gets in the way, and they'd rather just like not pay their lease and leave. But if there's a way for you to keep them in there, then you should try to do that. You know, you should be proactively reaching out to those residents and saying, hey. We're here for you. We have resources available that can help you. Here's different government agencies that can help you from an employment sta- unemployment standpoint. But let us know where we can help you because we want to make sure that you can stay in this property. That's where you want to stay. So what about investors? What are you uh, for raising capital right now? Yeah, so that's, it's been tough. So, you know, we, uh, we've seen that, you know, the, the, the since our, well, I can't. We, we only do 506B as in Bravo offering. So I have to be careful about how I say a few things, but I'll say in general, the sentiment has been that a, a good majority or not good majority, but several of them have been just hoarding their cash, right? Because they don't really know what's happening. Obviously, as the stimulus gets released and over the next couple of weeks, we kind of see how rents come in. I think that'll change. But even one of the unknowns right now is, is you know, I have a lot of attorneys and dentists and, you know, uh, doctors that have, have medical clinics and dental offices and things like that and practices that are suffering right now because of the shelter in place, you know. Uh, yeah, everybody's not, no one's doing yeah. anything. I've had several of them say, hey, I'm, I'm not going to be able to work for the next two or three months because they're not letting me do that. So I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I have to hold, hold on to my cash for right now. So there is some of that, but, you know, there are a lot of our investors, I would say the majority of our investors, about 90, 95% of them are accredited. And so those accredited investors are going to weather this storm a lot better. And we're still seeing a pretty significant influx of capital in, our, in, our, in the projects that we're in right now. 
How many people called you during when the, when the market took a, a crash and said thanks? <laughs> I don't know if I mean I've had text messages and emails and phone calls and it's it's yeah. hard to understand how many of them. But I was actually talking. Well, but to I mean, yeah, but yeah, but lots of like that was my biggest thing. Is it was really good feeling when the market really was taking tanking to say, man, I'm glad I'm I'm not in the market. Yes, that's true too. <laughs> No, I had I had a lot of investors that are saying that, but I mean, I even have some investors right now that are saying, "Hey, I pulled out before it started going down, but I kind of want to sit on my cash because I want to put it back in there to kind of ride." Yeah, ride we want to we want to wait a little bit longer, right? So, I, listen, everybody's in a hold for the next, I think, three to four months. Yeah, right. And but then you're going to see, and and that's what I'm what I've been telling my capital is three to four months. I you know when I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a code when I say you know the code name you know. Nighthawk or something or something crazy, right? Like the big Kahuna. Like it's time to give me all your money. Yep. It's not going to feel like you should, but I'm telling you, that's what you should do. Yeah. No, I agree, and I think that's a lot about a lot of that has to do with educating your investors. You know, when we when we actually started to start to look at some Class A assets, you know, we you know a lot of the, a lot of the sentiment around Class A is you know, oh, you don't want to be in Class A right now, and you know, we started doing some research on Class A and the difference of of what happened in the, in the 2008 crisis and you know, <clears throat> found that across the board, the vacancy rates in each asset class didn't drop more than about 30 to 40 basis points. Yeah. And so to see that the, everybody always says, oh, A is going to go to B and B is going to go to C or C's are, B's aren't go to C, so the B is the best place. And you know, it, it's, it sounds all good, but <laughs> at the same time, you have to do your own research and figure that out for yourself. And you know, I think across the board, it's all about educating your investors. So as you start to move forward in the future, Having this, Corey, will be helpful, right? Because you can educate Amen. your investors through that as well. Well, it's funny because, you know, I think a lot of investors, uh, when they start out new, you just go to C-class because that's all you can afford. Yes. That's all you can raise capital for. As you get better at raising capital, you start looking at better fruit that's a little higher up the chain. And it, because it creates... it takes more capital to go out there and, and play that game. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a better game to play, I think. You know, as you can transition to nicer, newer properties, I've had nothing but benefits from doing that. Well, and they're, and they're easier to manage. You usually have less <coughs> renovations, very little deferred maintenance. And the nice thing about them also is that, you know, when you get ready to sell them, they're going to be ready for someone to do some renovations so that you can actually sell them. But if you look at across the board, you know, for somebody who's listening and going, I still don't believe what they're talking about right now about A's could potentially be, you know, a, a safer investment. But if you look across all investments across the entire, you know, spectrum, the higher the return, the higher the risk. The lower the return, the lower the risk. The risk. So even though Class A is going to give you lower, <coughs> it's because it's a lower risk type of an investment. And so you're going to start to see some of those returns be in that 10, 11, 12, 13% range where you're going to typically be seen in a B class, maybe like a you know, 14, 15, and then like a class C, 16, 17, 18%. And, I'm re and those return metrics are, are the IRR basis, the internal rate of return on like a five to seven year hold time for time frame. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Good. Well, listen, man, uh, I don't want to keep to you too much time. I know you're busy. We've got a lot of things going on, but uh, dude, Dan, Thank you for your time and, and just kind of giving us your, your insight on the market. Dan, go ahead and tell me, tell us everybody about your podcast. You've got a really successful podcast going out there. I'll let you go ahead and, and just talk about it for a minute. Yes. What's well, the second best multifamily podcast next to yours, Corey? 
<laughs> so Thank it's you, called the Multifamily Investor Nation podcast. And I do things a little bit different. So instead of kind of having an interview style like this, it's, it's actually going deep, it's deep diving into an acquisition of a property. So I only interview people who have closed a multifamily deal in the last 12 months. And I get down to how they found the deal, how they structured it with investors, how they financed it, any problems in due diligence, you know, all of that we can we cover in that uh, podcast. And it's, it's kind of just, it just goes straight into, into that. And we have a conversation around all that. And so, of course, I get to learn about a lot of the different structures and setups and you know, how people find things. And it's been really educational for a lot of people. And, you know, I would definitely say it. So it's, it's, uh, it's a great podcast if you're <laughs> multifamily at all to be able to be a part of. If people want to get to, besides your podcast, if people want to get to know you, where, where would they go? Sure. The best place to do it is just go to our website, PassiveInvesting.com. There's a lot of resources on there. We have a knowledge center. And uh, we also have a place there if you're interested in you know, wanting to join us on some of our future opportunities. Probably register for that newsletter, huh? Yes. Yes. You can do that as well. You can, you can send me your address, Corey. I'll, I'll put you on there. So, But yeah, it would be you can just go there, PassiveInvesting.com, fill out the investor questionnaire. I'll jump on a phone call with you, discuss your investment goals, and see if we're a good fit. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, Dan, thank you for, so much for your time. Uh, guys, listen, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast and, and you know what, what we're talking about in the current environment. It's crazy. It's chaotic. Um, be calm. Stay the course. Um, but more than anything is you know protect what's what's coming into your ears right and protect the the information that you're receiving and then protect your brain right? in other words uh, you really you got to keep your your mind focused and sharp uh, because if you believe it you can achieve it and your paradise is possible